You're listening to Subdivisions, a podcast about 80s music and the artists who made it. I'm your host, Dylan Johnson. Jacques-Fred Petrus was born in Guadalupe in the French West Indies and became involved in the music business as a DJ in clubs in Paris in the late 60s and Milan, Italy in the early 70s. He met musician Mauro Malavisi, and the two founded Good Music Productions and created a recording studio in Bologna. The pair released Euro disco songs under a variety of names, including Macho, Midnight Gang, The Jumpers, and Caprice, among others. In 1980, Petrus and Malavasi created a musical group called Change. The concept for Change was to have Italian musicians create the instrumental tracks and have American singers record vocals over the instrumentals, creating a mix of Euro disco and R&B music. It worked extremely well as their debut album, The Glow of Love, was a dance club smash, featuring the million seller A Lover's Holiday. song featured Zachary Sanders, which some of our listeners may recognize from his work on Schoolhouse Rock. If you can see it then, put the ball on the fence, man. Go ahead on. Yeah, all right. What? He hit it. It's going. It's going. It's going. What? I get my thing in action. album was further boosted by the work of then-unknown Luther Vandross on Searching. Vandross would soon leave Change for his own solo career, which we will be hearing about in a future episode. Change would repeat the formula and the success a year later with the LP Miracles, which also featured several number one dance club hits, Paradise and Hold Tight. would shift gears in 1982, leaning heavier into an R&B sound with songs like The Very Best in You. This is 
reason for that shift in tone would be due to Malavasi severing his partnership with Petrus and moving back to Italy. One of the reasons for this was that Petrus began to borrow money to finance the recording business, which almost certainly involved the Mafia. By 1987, Petrus had fled the U.S. for Italy to avoid the IRS, and perhaps his creditors, then fled Italy for Guadalupe, where he opened a club. On June 8, 1987, Petrus got into an argument with a Swiss tourist after denying the tourist entry into his club, and the man showed up at Petrus's house later that night and shot him dead. Change never released another record after Petrus's murder. But at the beginning of the 80s, Change were one of the hottest club music acts going, and one of their biggest hits was 1981's Paradise. James Nelson Williams was born in Brooklyn in 1962 and began singing with his church choir at six years old. He picked up the guitar at age 10 after seeing the Jackson 5 perform on the Ed Sullivan Show. By the time he was in high school, he was dividing his time between singing and playing football, which is where he picked up his nickname. His teammates said that getting tackled by Williams was like getting hit by the D train, the local subway line in the neighborhood. He was introduced to producer and session keyboard player Hubert Eves III, who had played on Matume's first two albums. We'll be covering Matume later in this season of the podcast. The pair collaborated on the single under the name D-Train, and it was an instant hit, which we'll get to in a minute or two. The success of that debut single led to an album, which produced the single Keep On. Follow-up LP, Music, placed the single of the same name in the upper reaches of the dance and R&B charts in 1983. Train had one final hit single, Something's On Your Mind, before breaking up in 1984. Something on your mind Tell me, tell me Girl, stop wasting 
But back to their first single, You're the One for Me. The song was a massive dance club smash, both in the US and UK, which led to D-Train appearing on the same episode of Top of the Pops as The Police. The song would again chart in the UK in 1985 after getting remixed by Paul Hardcastle, who you may know from his hit track 19, which was also released in 1985. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war, but it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. You're the One For Me is cited as having an influence on the electro genre, which we'll be covering soon, and as a classic example of the early 80s style, now known as Boogie. This is D-Train with You're the One For Me. Maurice White was born in 1941 in Memphis, Tennessee. He also began singing with his church choir at six years old, but soon was playing drums and percussion. He was childhood friends with Booker T. Jones, who would go on to have quite a successful career of his own. to Chicago to study at the Chicago Conservatory of Music and was soon playing drums as a session player for Chess Records, where he played on records by Etta James, Willie Dixon, among others. Here he is playing drums on Fontella Bass's 1965 hit, Rescue Me. joined the Ramsey Lewis Trio in 1967 before founding his own band, Salty Peppers, in 1969. By 1970, the band had moved to Los Angeles and changed their name to Earth, Wind, and Fire. They signed with Warner Brothers and released two LPs and the soundtrack to the film Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. The band broke up in 1972 and then was reformed by White with the important addition of singer Philip Bailey. With Bailey's falsetto complementing White's baritone on vocals, Earth, Wind, and Fire began having hits, starting with 1974's Mighty Mighty. Yes, 
continuing throughout the 70s with number one R&B songs like Sing a Song, Getaway, and Shining Star. Earth, Wind & Fire had found a potent mix of funk, jazz, rock, disco, and pop that was completely original and yet strangely familiar. The band hit their peak in 1978-79 with the top 10 hits After the Love Is Gone, Boogie Wonderland, and September. popularity began to decline with the popularity of disco, but all that changed in 1981 with the release of Let's Groove. Let's Groove took the signature earth, wind, and fire sound, funky, jazzy, soulful pop, and added just a touch of 80s electro and propelled the band back to number one. Maurice White died in 2016, but the band lives on with Philip Bailey, Verdine White, and Ralph Johnson from the 1972 lineup still touring in 2023. Here's Let's Groove by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Double Dutch is a game featuring two long jump ropes turning in opposite directions and are jumped by one or more players jumping simultaneously. It was thought to have been brought to New York City from Dutch immigrants, where it was a popular playground game. It was a popular street activity for African-American girls in New York City, where participants would often sing rhymes while playing. In 1973, Double Dutch was made into an official sport with rules in New York City, which led Philadelphia songwriter Frankie Smith to write and record a song based on the rhythm and rhymes of the game called, appropriately enough, Double Dutch, which failed to chart. Double Dutch the sport, however, became even more popular, and in 1980, the Fantastic Four, four girls from the Lower East Side, won the national championships and were featured in McDonald's commercials. Smith thought it might be time to dust off his old Double Dutch song, which he updated and presented to Philadelphia label WMOT, who released Double Dutch Bus as a single in late 1980. The song featured both Frankie and background singers using the is infix, which was used by Double Dutch jumpers to extend a word so that it would fit the rhythm of the rhyme while jumping rope. We'll see you 
This was the first time this was used in recorded music and would become much more famous in the 90s when used by Snoop Dogg. Larry Lavin was a student at the University of Pennsylvania in the 70s when he started selling pot to make ends meet. By the time he'd graduated from dental school, he was supplying huge quantities of weed to the upper crust of Philly. But the cops and the FBI began a serious crackdown on marijuana in the late 70s, so Levin switched over to cocaine. Why carry an elephant on your back when you can carry a mouse in your pocket, he would later quip. Suddenly, Levin, who was still a dentist by day with a wife and kid and a nice house in the suburbs, was moving $5 million of coke a month, much like Stringer Bell on the HBO series The Wire, Levin began to launder his cash by buying businesses. And at the urging of his business partner, Mark Stewart, one of them was WMOT Records. Stewart would later embezzle over a million dollars from WMOT, including Frankie Smith's royalties for Double Dutch Bus. Smith would go to the IRS and complain about not getting his $30,000 check from Stewart, which would ultimately end in the arrest of Levin and the end of his multi-million dollar cocaine empire. This is a song that brought down the yuppie conspiracy. Frankie Smith and Double Dutch Bus. Now I miss my trick, that's a double chain, but I'm running late. No streets to blame, if you got a wife, you know I'm right. You got a special man, well I can understand. Uptown, downtown, everybody's getting down. Say uptown, say downtown. Well, I miss my bus, I know I'm late. I gotta do something I know I hate, I'm gonna walk to work. Fifteen bucks, I already got a hole in the box, go ahead and laugh. Robert and Ronald Bell were musicians from Jersey City who formed their first jazz band in 1964. The band would change names and personnel a bunch before settling on a name based on Robert's nickname, Cool in the Flames, in 1969. They were signed to D-Light Records who told them to ditch the Flames name as it was too close to James Brown's backing band, the famous Flames, and so they changed their name one final time to Cool and the Gang and released their debut all-instrumental album in 1970. After two live albums where they gradually began to add singing to their repertoire, the self-produced albums Music is the Message and Good Times, both solid albums, but radio stations found their music didn't fit neatly into one format, and so they remained relatively unknown. Then in 1973, with Disco on the Rise, Cool and the Gang hit it big with the top 10 hits Hollywood Swinging and Jungle Boogie. Get down, get down, get Their follow-up LP, Light of Words, featured a hit instrumental in Summer Madness.
and the gang went full-on disco with strings and lots of additional singers, and their popularity began to wane. In 1979, they made two fateful decisions. First, they finally brought in a full-time lead singer, James J.T. Taylor, and they enlisted the help of Brazilian producer Deodato. The first album with the two was the most successful to date, featuring the hits Too Hot and Ladies Night. Follow-up LP did even better and featured their signature song, Celebration. gang would continue to churn out the hits in the 80s, even after parting ways with producer Deodato, including Joanna, Cherish, and Fresh. In 1984, they were the only American band to appear on Band-Aid's Do They Know It's Christmas single. The band would gain and lose members and release periodic albums after the 80s. And there is a street named Cool in the Gang Way in Jersey City. Their third LP with Deodato, 1981's Something Special, included a funky song urging folks to get their backs up off the wall and get out on the dance floor. This is Get Down On It by Cool and the Gang. How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance? By standing on the wall. Get your back up off the wall. Tell me. How you gonna do it if you really don't wanna dance? By standing on the wall. Get your back up off the wall. Cause I heard all the people saying. Get down on it. Come on in. Get down on it. If you really want it. Dayton, Ohio has spawned a disproportionate amount of funk bands, such as Zap, who we discussed in episode one, the Ohio Players, Slave, and the band we are here to discuss now, Lakeside. The band began in 1971 as Ohio Lakeside Express. They gigged extensively and caught the eye of concert promoter Dick Griffey, who became their manager. Griffey convinced them to shorten their name to Just Lakeside, and soon the band had signed with ABC Records in 1977 and released their eponymous debut LP, which featured the hit single, If I Didn't Have You. In 1978, Griffey would found Solar Records, who signed The Whispers, as you heard in episode one, and immediately signed Lakeside. 
The band co-produced their next LP, Shot of Love, with Leon Silvers III, which resulted in a bigger R&B hit, It's All The Way Live. This LP also started the trend of the band appearing in album cover photos in costume. Over the years, they've appeared as Pirates, Private Eyes, Cowboys, Arabian Nights, and Robin Hood. Their late 1980 album, Fantastic Voyage, would be the band's high watermark, and we will come back to the biggest single in a few moments. After 1980, Lakeside would release six more albums, including three more R&B top 10 hits, Raid, Outrageous, and a cover of the Beatles' I Wanna Hold Your Hand. Oh, yes, I will. Back to January of 1981, and the single for Fantastic Voyage is released and in short order tops the R&B charts for two weeks. In 1994, Coolio would heavily sample the track for his hit, also called Fantastic Voyage. Here's Lakeside with Fantastic Voyage. Hey, come on, come along, take a ride. There's a party on the desk. It ain't no job. It's live, live. It's all the way live. Don't even have to walk. Don't even have to drive. Just slide, slide, slip it, slide. Just forget about the troubles in your nine to five. And just sail on. That's what you do. Just sail on. Now the dude's so fucking hey, What do you think? What is it called? It's called a lakeside stand. James Ambrose Johnson Jr. was born in Buffalo, New York in 1948. He began to play in bands during his teenage years, perhaps inspired by his uncle, Temptation singer Melvin Franklin. He joined the Naval Reserve at age 15, immediately regretted his decision, and went AWOL, fleeing to Toronto, Canada. Johnson was barely in Toronto a week when he got into a scrap and was rescued from a beating by a couple of local musicians, Levon Helm and Garth Hudson, who took him to a local bar where Johnson began to make friends with a lot of the local musicians. If those names sound familiar, it might be because they would go on to be two of the founding members of the band. Anyway, as a fugitive, Johnson adopted the name Rick James and joined a band called the Minor Birds, whose lineup was constantly shifting, but would include Goldie McJohn and Nick St. Nicholas, who would later be members of Steppenwolf, Young and Bruce Palmer, who would later be members of Buffalo Springfield. The 
There's something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down in 1966, the Mina Birds were signed to Motown Records and recorded a single, It's My Time. I really, really love you, darling, with a love that's so strong and so fine. Nothing in this whole wide world could ever make me change my mind. It's my time. It's my time, baby. No Yes, that's Neil Young and Rick James in 1966. Unfortunately, It's My Time was pulled from release after James was arrested and charged with desertion. After his release from jail, he was brought on as a songwriter for Motown. By 1978, James had signed his own deal with Motown imprint Gordy Records with two smash hits, You and I, and his ode to pot, Mary Jane. The success of that song led James to assembling a girl group named Mary Jane Girls, who we will be revisiting in a future episode. His next three albums all generated R&B hits, including High On Your Love Sweet, Love Gun, Big Time, and Bustin' Out. Well, all right, you squares, it's time you smoke. Fire up this funk and let's have a toe. It'll make you dance with some of everything. Everybody get high. Then in 1981, James would release his biggest album, Street Songs, which would also feature the massive hits Super Freak and Give It To Me Baby. Give it to me, give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me, give me that stuff, that funk, that sweet, that funky stuff. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to funk, that sweet, funky stuff. Also in 1981, James would produce the first hit for Tina Marie, who we will also be seeing later in this episode. As the 80s wore on, James would crank out more of his own hits in addition to producing hits for Mary Jane Girls, The Temptations, and Eddie Murphy. James would soon begin to succumb to his own fame in the form of a serious drug habit. By the time the 90s rolled around, 
James was spending $7,000 a week on cocaine. His music career was all but dead. He'd been convicted of kidnapping and sexual assault and served time in Folsom Prison. James would enjoy a brief comeback in 1998 before having a stroke on stage, effectively ending his days as a live performer. Rick James died in 2004 of heart failure at the age of 56. His most enduring legacy was his biggest hit from 1981's Street Songs and was the last track recorded for the album. James decided he wanted a song on the album that white folks could dance to. The song was an ode to a sexually adventurous woman that featured background vocals by The Temptations. That's right, this is Super Freak. Mary Brockert hailed from Santa Monica, California, but was raised in Oakwood, a predominantly African-American neighborhood in Venice Beach. She displayed an early talent for singing and debuted in show business as a child actor in an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies under the name Tina Marie Brockert. At age 20, she auditioned for and was signed to Motown Records, but the label did nothing with her for three years. That is until Rick James heard her singing and offered to produce her record. The album Wild and Peaceful came out in 1979 under the name Tina Marie and featured her first hit, a duet with James called I'm a Sucker for Your Love. Very sweet, you're a classy little dame, sophisticated game, and you know all of the best response to each. record sleeve did not have a photo of Marie, and based on her voice and the fact that the record was released on Motown, many radio programmers and DJs assumed that Tina Marie was black. Later that year, James and Marie would appear on Soul Train to perform the song, making Tina Marie the first white woman artist to make an appearance on that show. She would go on to perform on Soul Train eight more times, more than any other white act. Her second album, Lady T was produced by Richard Rudolph, recent widower of Minnie Ripperton, and would feature the hit Behind the Groove, which would hit number six in the UK. took more control over her sound, writing and producing most of her next two albums, Irons in the Fire, and her first gold record, It Must Be Magic, which included her biggest hit to date, Square Biz. After the success of Square Biz, 
Marie got into a legal battle with Motown Records over their refusal to release her newest material, which resulted in a decision that is now known as the Brockert Initiative, which makes it illegal for a record company to keep an artist under contract without releasing new material for that artist. Marie signed with Epic Records in 1983 and produced five albums and had songs appear on the soundtracks for The Goonies and Top Gun and released the biggest hit of her career, 1984's Lover Girl. In 1991, she stepped away from music to raise her daughter. In 2004, she returned to music, releasing La Doña, featuring her last hit, Still in Love. Call her later, Tina LaDonna, come on, mama. Tell me, baby, how long has it been? Here you come and here I go again. I must admit you're looking rather fly. You're a side for sunrise. Situation wasn't quite that cool. Seven years ago we both were fools But I'm real enough to let you know That I'm never gonna let you While on tour for this album, a large framed picture fell off the wall of her hotel room, striking Marie in the head and giving her a severe concussion. She would suffer from seizures for the rest of her life. On December 26, 2010, Marie's daughter would find her dead in her Pasadena home of natural causes. Tina Marie was godmother to Minnie Ripperton and Richard Rudolph's daughter, Maya Rudolph, and also of Marvin Gaye's daughter, Nona. Her 1981 hit, Square Biz, is notable for being one of the first hit songs to feature a rap breakdown. Here's Square Biz by Tina Marie. Yarborough and Elisa Peoples first met when they were children at piano lessons in Dallas, Texas. After college, Yarborough was playing keyboards and singing for a band called Grand Theft when they caught the eye of Tulsa musicians Robert, Ronnie, and Charlie Wilson, who offered Yarborough a gig with them touring as musicians and singers on the Leon Russell tour they were currently a part of. Upon returning from the tour, Yarborough rejoined Grand Theft and invited his childhood friend Elisa Peoples to join as a singer. A few years later, the Wilson brothers were now known as the Gap Band, and they played a gig in Dallas. Yarborough gave the brothers a demo of Grand Theft, who passed it on to their manager, who wasn't so much interested in the band as the singers, Yarborough and Peoples. We will be revisiting the Wilson brothers in a future episode. Yarborough and Peoples were immediately successful with a series of hit singles, including Don't Waste Your Time in 1984,
and guilty one year later. married in 1987 and returned to Dallas to open their own production company. Since then, they have continued to perform sporadically, been judges on singing competition television shows, and performed in several musicals, including the off-Broadway Blind Lemon Blues. Their first single was recorded during what was supposed to be demo sessions and was originally a song called When the Music Stops. By the time the session was done, the track had both live drums and a drum machine and was now called Don't Stop the Music. The song would go to number one on the R&B charts, ironically knocking the Gap Band off of the top spot, hit top 20 on the dance and pop charts, and would hit number seven in the UK. Here's Don't Stop the Music by Yarborough and People. Don't you stop it, don't you stop, stop the music. artists that I will be covering that I simply cannot do justice to in the small thumbnail format of this podcast, and African Bombada is one of them. If you're interested in finding out more about the history of Bombada, the Zulu Nation, and the birth of hip-hop, I suggest starting with Can't Stop, Won't Stop, A History of the Hip-Hop Generation by Jeff Chang. Lance Taylor grew up in the Bronx River Projects with his mother and uncle as community activists. As he grew up, he saw gangs take law into their own hands, clearing his neighborhood of drug dealers, assisting with community programs while fighting and throwing parties to gain and keep members and turf. Taylor joined the Black Spades gang and quickly rose in the ranks. In the early 70s, the Black Spades began to drift away from assisting the community, getting more violent and acting more like a traditional street gang. Taylor changed his name to Africa Bombada and began to hang out with like-minded members from the Spades and other gangs who were less enthralled with the gang violence and wanted to create a community outside of the gangs. Somewhere around 1977, Bombada began to DJ block parties in the South Bronx, inspired by DJ Cool Herc, and at the end of the year, founded the Zulu Nation, an organization of socially and politically aware rappers, b-boys, graffiti artists, and others, which is now recognized as the first hip-hop organization. Within the Zulu Nation, Africa Bombada founded the music collective called Soul Sonic Force, which was about 20 members strong. In 1980, they made Death Mix, which included the track Zulu Nation Throwdown. What's the name of this nation? Zulu! Zulu's red water, 
Bombada was not pleased with the recording and left the project before it was completed, so the producer was credited to Kevin Donovan, who actually did the production work, but many people came to believe that Kevin Donovan was Bombada's real name. In 1981, graffiti artist Fab Five Freddy began packaging hip-hop acts to play in new wave clubs in Manhattan and recruited African Bombada to perform at the Mud Club. His sets became so popular, he moved to increasingly larger venues, including the Ritz, the Peppermint Lounge, Danceteria, and the Roxy. During a set at the Roxy, Bombada debuted Eben Ozen's single, A-E-I-O-U, Sometimes Why, which was the first single commercially released in America that was made on a computer. That single, along with the work of the Japanese electro-pop group Yellow Magic Orchestra, inspired Bombada to stop performing music live and only use technology in his performances. Bombada and Soul Sonic Force's next single, Planet Rock, would create an entirely new genre of music known as electro or electro-funk. In 1983, the group released Renegades of Funk and Looking for the Perfect Beat. Bombada would feature in the 1984 hip-hop film Beat Street, worked on the anti-apartheid album Sun City, joined the Stop the Violence movement, and organized a concert at Wembley Stadium for the ANC to celebrate the release of Nelson Mandela from prison. In 2016, Africa Bombada left his position as head of the Zulu Nation after allegations of sexual abuse of minors were leveled against him. As of 2023, no charges have been filed. Here's the song that spawned an entire new genre. Planet Rock by Africa Bombada and Soul Sonic Force. been listening to Subdivisions, a podcast about the music and artists of the 80s. Subdivisions is written, produced, and performed by me, Dylan Johnson. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to like and also tell a friend.